In this passage, we see different responses to Jesus' mercy. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked him, Were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did not any of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of God for the people of God. I know you're looking at me and who this guy is, and I'm going to introduce this myself later. All right, just wait. So I always open my message by shouting out very important message for me and for everyone. So I'm going to say God is good, and you can respond to all the time. All right, all right, that's totally fine. It's your first time. You'll be better next time. So I'm going to say God is good, and then you can say all right. Let's try it. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. We are also good. All right. Wow. I didn't expect you guys ready for shouting out. We are also good. That's really good. Morning. My name is Chan Choi. My parents are him, his. I'm serving UBC Edgewater as a site pastor. And welcome all of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is love, who is grace, and who is hope, who is peace. And you may wonder where Pastor Christian Kuhn is. He's preaching at Edgewater. All right. I told them, our Edgewater members, you guys need to walk care and treat this person so they'll be fine. And uh, you may know that, right? Urban Village Church, uh, we have a multi-site church, and we have four different sites currently. And as you know, we're currently closing our South Loop site. And please keep everybody from uh, South Loop. And so we made a decision to make a, some kind of preaching rotations every month. So not December, but in January, another site pastor will be here for preaching. Because we under the same mission and values, right? And, but it's really good to hear different voices, right? And you can see and experience in different perspectives per uh, pastor. So it will be good uh, resource for the congregation at the same time for the preacher. So that's the reason why I'm here. And I really appreciate your welcoming heart for this morning. Can I say that? All right, let's try. So how many of you still remember your uh, lesson from your orientation at school? So whether it's the orientation at elementary school or high school, how many of you remember that orientation? Nobody? All right, kind of, all right. Yeah, that's pretty uh, normal, right? It's not easy to remember and keep unless it's a life-changing lesson. So let me share a life-changing practice that I learned from the orientation at college. So do you have a uh, slide here, right? All right. 
So it's been more than 20 years since that orientation. Please do not calculate that my age from that. And I still remember and practice this. And how many of you are familiar with this chart, the so-called important urgent metrics? Two, all right, so I need to explain it. So uh, let me briefly explain it. So most tasks where problems can be, can be categorized and and placed in each quadrant by their level of importance and urgency. So when we say it's important, it means that its outcome leads us to achieve our goal, right? Or on the contrary, if we couldn't complete it, then we may be in crisis or problems or trouble. And urgent activities require immediate attention and action. So this metric saved my life during my college and even until now. So when I had to take care of many classes and assignments and readings and other activities, it helped me to schedule each task and create a work plan. So we're gonna practice it, don't worry about it. So I'm gonna give you more chance to get familiar with this. And if you're worshiping through online, so please follow us. So we're gonna put uh, some examples in each quadrant. So let's think about what kind of activity would be would belong to important and urgent. What would be important and urgent? Paying a bill. Paying a bill, I know, that's pretty important. We talked about gas bill this morning. That's a serious issue, so important and urgent. What else? Feeding the kids. All right, feeding the kids, that's so important. How about finishing a project, work project, right? That could be important and urgent. So let's move to the next one. What about important but not urgent? Grocery shopping? For me, exercising. How about you? How many of you agree with me, right? All right, I'm not alone. So how about not important but urgent? All right, that could be. How about laundry? Yeah. All right, dog out for work. Somebody who places is an important urgent, but you place it as your not important but urgent, right? And how about not important and not urgent? Watching TV, all right. Catching up the new show from Netflix, and I'm looking for uh, some recommendation for that. And that's true. It's an efficient and effective tool for time management, but it also shows us our lifestyle and attitude and priority toward things. Where do you put spending time with your family and friends? How many of you printing as your important and urgent? Having sp spending time with your family. Important and urgent? All right, how about um, I know it's important, but not urgent. Raise your hand. All right. I'm going to report it back to Pastor Christian, so he may have some idea for that. How about coming and joining the worship and growing in faith? Is it important and urgent for you or not? Then how about giving thanks to God? During this sermon series, Limitless Thanks, we've highlighted 
as a lifestyle, the way we live. It's not merely about an act of giving, but also the lifestyle that we should learn and practice as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Through today's message, we will reaffirm this lifestyle limitless thanks as Apostle Paul highlighted in Ephesians chapter 5.20, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. So I hope we can join this phrase of thanks, thanksgiving, can't thank God enough. That's a sermon title. We're going to shout it out several times. Please remember this. Can't thank God enough. And we can shout it out from our bottom of heart. Amen? Amen. So in New Revised Standard Versions, the title of today's message is Jesus Cleans 10 Men with a Skin Disease. So we may think that it's another healing story. Then we are half correct and half not. It's a healing story that Jesus healed 10 people with a skin disease. And it follows a typical structure of miraculous healing story. The request of the people in need, all right? And then response of Jesus toward their request and the miraculous healing. This is a typical structure and order of healing story. And even though they didn't mention their physical hardship, just asking for mercy, as we just read, Jesus didn't know what it meant. And here is Jesus' response to these people. It's from verse 14. So if you can read it through, let's read together. One, two, three. All right, Gary, I, I know. Whoa, whoa, slow down. I, I know you're way excited. But less from the very first line, all right? So let's try it one more time. All right. Uh, one, two, three. To understand this passage, we need to check the law about the skin disease, person with the skin disease and their recovery. Because of the law, these 10 people with a skin disease had to live outside of the community. And that's how they found Jesus first and faster than any others. There is only one way to return to the community requiring a priest certification of their full recovery and cleanliness. So Jesus' words about showing themselves to the priest make us assume that they will be healed. And this miracle's healing actually happened on the way to the priest. So as I said above, it's a healing story that follows the structure of healing story. However, here is a turning point that leads us to the true lesson of this passage. It's from verse 15. So... I'm going to give you one second to think about, all right? Let's read together. One, two, three. Because of this person who was healed and returned to Jesus for the praise of gratitude, the main lesson has been changed from the miraculous healing power of Jesus into this person's response to God's mercy. 
this person's lifestyle of giving thanks. Let's go deeper to Ron about this person's lifestyle. Since the priest stayed at the temple, all temple with a skin disease would be on the way to the temple to meet and show themselves to the priest to certify their healing and get permission to return to their home for their family and friends. From their initial request, we can see that they already heard about Jesus and his miraculous power because they hold Jesus as master. Master who has the authority to heal. And they follow Jesus' word by heading to the priest without any question. They didn't ask any question when Jesus told, told them, all right, go and show yourself to the priest. They just followed because they knew that. Jesus is a master. And it made them well even before they met the priest. However, only one person returned to Jesus, and it means a lot. Where are the other nine? Based on Jesus' word in verse 17, they were also healed. However, they didn't return to Jesus. They would keep traveling toward the temple to meet the priest because their priority was to return home to their families and friends. They would experience overflowing joy because finally, they are finally delivered from this hardship that prevents them from all the connection and relationship. Finally, they can see each other and their family and friends. So, they wouldn't have room to think about Jesus who made them well. They would think about giving thanks to God as important, but not urgent. So they may schedule and push back a little bit. Let me check my priest, and then I'm going to meet my family and friends, and then I'm going to go back to Jesus to give thanks. While they are focusing on themselves, their own priority, the one who was also healed made a different choice. This person returned, praised God, kneeled at Jesus' feet, and thanked Jesus. One made a different decision. This person focused on Jesus rather than himself because he knew where this healing came from. And who made him well. So this person put thanking Jesus as important and urgent. Which cannot be delayed. This decision made a huge difference. Let's read verse 19. This is another healing that this person received. Let's read together. One, two, three. So in this version, it's pretty hard to see the differences between the healing that all 10 people received in verse 14 and the healing that only this person received in verse 19. So I prepared the Greek. Do we have it? All right. You don't need to worry about it. I know. It's pretty hard to read it, so I'm going to help you. So in Greek version, there are different meanings in spite of a similar translation. In verse 14, the word of katharos, which is the left-hand side, is used, and it is about physical healing. 
and religious and moral purity. On the other hand, in verse 19, sojo, which is the right-hand side from your side, right? Used for saving, keeping, benefiting, and preserving in inner being. So the message version translates verse 19 as get up on your way. Your face has healed and saved you. It's not only about the healing of physical hardship, but also the full restoration of body and soul, one's inner being. To understand the meaning of these two blessings that this person received, we need to pay attention to who this person is. When we read through the Bible, we may notice that there's so many nameless characters. Then we need to read through carefully to find other clues for their identity, which could be an important pieces to complete the true lesson from the Word of God. So there are two important clues about this person's identity. First, as we just talked about, he suffered from skin disease, right? That's one clue. And the other one, what is that? He was Samaritan. At the time, Jews thought of them as inferior and also hated them. Because of his skin disease, he had to be excluded from the community. Because of, of his identity as Samaritan, he had to live as the most marginalized. Samaritan with a skin disease. Can you imagine the pain and suffering this person had to stand in body and soul? Now salvation is given to him as a reward. God fully restored his body and soul. And because this person didn't forget where this blessing of healing came from. Because this person prioritized giving thanks to God is important and urgent. And it reminds us of the Jesus promise in chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Loving UBC West and River Forest and all like folks, what are you looking for? Hetheros or Sojo? Are you looking for your physical hardships will be healed or your soul and inner being will be healed. Remember, you can choose your own lifestyle, whether you focus on yourself and God or God, and it will make a huge difference. So as I mentioned, can't thank God enough is a sermon title and phrase we are going to repeat a lot. This might be a phrase to describe this person's lifestyle of limitless things. Even before the declaration of Salvation from Jesus, this person shouted out and expressed his gratitude by shouting out this, can't thank God enough. Even though he was still the most marginalized, he gave thanks to God by shouting out, can't thank God enough. It's only possible by centering his heart on God's kingdom and righteousness, not earthly treasure. He might be shouting out louder after hearing the confirmations and affirmation of his own salvations, can't thank God enough. So if we have a chance to hear his testimony, it would be similar to the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to read together. It's from Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. 
Let's read together. One, two, three. Let me highlight the phrase, I have learned. This phrase is repeated twice. Even though it's a confession of the Apostle Paul, we can easily imagine the life of this person that will be filled with the same gratitude. He would still be marginalized because of his skin disease and his identity as a merit. And he would be also pressed due to his confession of faith. However, he wouldn't stop shouting out, can't thank God enough, because it's his lifestyle. It's not easy to live with this limitless thanks because we are not accustomed to it. Without intention or effort, we may lose this heart of limitless thanks and push it back again. So we need to learn and practice it, to live a new life as a new self. We can continue it through our gratitude journal or offering a prayer of gratitude, but here is the most easy first step for all of us, which is shouting out, can't thank God enough. So I'd like to close today's message by practicing this phrase of limitless things, can't thank God enough. So here is the things. It's quite simple, so you can follow it. So just think about what are you thankful for? And then let's share it by saying, I'm thankful for. And then we can respond to it one voice, can't thank God enough. Are you ready? All right, we're gonna practice it. So let me start it. I'm thankful for this community. Then, can't thank God enough. I'm thankful for Warm home, can't thank God enough. I'm thankful for music, can't thank God enough. I'm thankful for, pardon? Family, can't thank God enough. I'm thankful for health, can't thank God enough. I'm thankful for job, can't thank God enough. We can continue it over and over, but I need to finish it by 11.15, but it's already over. But friends, please practice it. Keep shouting out every single day, every single moment. Then you will find yourself who are filled with this overflowing joy and limitless things. Amen.